0: Good morning and welcome. My name is Al Clark, your programme host for this special Auto Retail Network webinar in association with Auto Trader, uh, focusing on new entrants to the UK retail market. And thank you very much for taking time out of your day to join us. Our aim over the next 40 minutes or so is to provide practical information to help you if you are exploring opportunities to work with new brands. You may have been with us this time last year, almost to the day, actually, when we launched the New Entrance from China report. Well, 12 months later, things have changed considerably, as you might have expected. The latest report is called the New Entrance Report 2023. Notice no China in the title because it's not only Chinese brands, uh, but now includes American, Japanese and Vietnamese. For retailers, of course, new brands can offer new opportunities for growth and maybe to fill gaps left by existing brands downsizing their network. But research and analysis is key whenever considering new partners or new ventures. And the latest new entrance report from Auto Retail Network provides that core information and is now available to order. Uh, It includes commentary on the market, along with a full page for each of the 31 brands that are featured, providing details of the product portfolio for each, the company history and ownership, the approach to retail, whether that's agency, direct-to-consumer or franchise, and contact details, enabling you to get in touch directly with them. It can be ordered online now, and there is a discount for Auto Retail Network members. Our panel today brings market expertise of these new brands, many of which are unknown in the UK at the moment. Uh, they'll share understanding of consumer behaviour towards new entrants and report the hands-on experience of introducing new brands to the UK. Now, of course, our webinar is a discussion uh, and we welcome your comments and questions uh, throughout uh, this webinar, which you can send directly through the dialog box, which is below you on screen, or you can use hashtag ARMLive on the platform formerly known as Twitter. You may wish to jump in now and send through your comments because of course, things can become a bit bunched up and may be missed as time runs away very quickly. Um, So to our panel this morning, uh, I'm delighted to welcome uh, Chi-Kiang Lim, Managing Director uh, of Urban Science for China, joined us again this year. Uh, Ian Plummer, the Commercial Director of Auto Trader, and Mark Blundell, who is the Head of Marketing for BYD uh, in the UK, one of those new entrants. So, CK, we're going to start with you uh, in China this morning, and, and thanks for joining us. Uh, a lot's changed uh, in 12 months, CK. What are the main things that have uh changed and developed over the last year particularly for the chinese entrance into the market
1: thanks El, for having me here again this year i just want to make two points to to answer your question right from a larger uh, economic perspective uh chinese economy has been doing really badly this year you would have heard about that export is down pretty much in all sectors and the only bright spark is actually in the auto sector. Right? You would have also read the report about, uh, you know, the headline saying that China has displaced Japan as the largest exporter of automobile uh, as of August, September this year. And you can see the numbers going. I, I don't have the exact number, but the numbers have grown by lips. About. So in in that context, China, uh, Automotive export has becoming has become increasingly important for China. And many of these Chinese OEMs are state owned. So you can expect uh, a greater emphasis and push to to get into overseas market. And it's not just Europe, right? Latin America, Southeast Asia, these are all target markets. The only market that is currently closed is the American market for tariff reasons. Second point is from the OEM's perspective themselves, right? Uh, you might have also heard that uh, at the beginning of this year, Tesla started a prolonged price war in China. They under uh, they cut the prices by a lot. Uh, BYD, I think, responded, and pretty much every OEM in China selling EVs has participated in that. And what you have seen is. Uh, internal turmoil, right? This, this is a, a, a term that was described uh, one of the, the CEOs of the brand has used internal turmoil. As a result, margins are compressed. Uh, some brands are not making money. And ironically, these brands are looking at the export market, especially at the lucrative European export market, as a way of escaping the brutal and intense competition, especially the price competition in In China itself, so that has actually driven more brands to go to Europe this year. Uh, I think spurred by the success of some of the early entrants, and I suspect this team will continue to to drive that. For for sort of reference, a similar vehicle uh, sold in China is priced at between fifty to one hundred percent more when when it's being sold to Europe. So excluding you know tariffs and additional costs and so on. I expect the margins for these brands going to Europe to be higher than what they're getting in China. So I'll leave you with these two points to start off.
0: Thanks, CK. No, that's great. Well, it's not just Chinese brands, of course. Um, we also have seen uh, American, uh, Japanese, and, and Vietnamese. Ian, perhaps uh, Ian Plummer, uh, commercial director of Auto Trader. Um, Obviously, finger on the pulse of the, of the market. Um, what's the, what's the, the reason perhaps some of these other brands are coming? If, if, a CK says, it's a commercial opportunity with high prices, perhaps for some of these other brands that, that are non-Chinese, that's not going to be the, the reason for them coming to the market, is it?
2: I think the reason that many people would have come to the UK market would have started with the fact that we had a 2030 uh, deadline for our petrol and diesel um, cutoff. In reality, I think we still have that, I should add, Um, but I think with the other factor is probably a more open minded consumer, a brand agnostic consumer in the UK. I think we tend to forget when you look at other European markets I've worked for and in uh, international markets in Europe for for, Renault Nissan and Volkswagen Group, I guarantee you that if you're a German consumer, you tend to prefer a German brand or at least a car produced in Germany. And if you're a French consumer, you love this idea of a national champion. They have national champions in all sorts of industries. Danone is a national champion of of yogurt. Believe it or not, that does actually exist as a thing. And Renault Stantis, obviously, for cars. We don't have that same view of car buying or most products we buy in the UK. We're quite open to a good product. I think Kia and Hyundai, we've talked about it a lot recently, managed to prove their point with fantastically uh, well-designed, high-tech vehicles with great um, battery tech, better range, better charging speeds than others. And change perception of their brands in the last uh, year or so with EV6, IONIQ Five, Ionic Six, et cetera. So they've shown how brands that were previously perceived as volume players can can change uh, because the brand, the consumer is quite brand ag- agnostic. And we've seen more recently with uh, uh, Great Wall Motors Aura's Funky Cat at the beginning of this year, putting their new cars on our platform, then BYD in uh, in spring, that those cars are turning heads. They're they're also uh, attracting a lot of uh, a lot of consumer interest. They currently represent only about 1% of the, the, the new EV stock on our on our site. Well, the new car stock, I should say, on our site. Um, but they also represent 4% of ad views, so they're turning many more heads than they actually weigh in terms of their share of stock. That shows great pop- that sort of uh, progress and optimism that they will uh, succeed. They're, they've got a slight handicap at the moment, in as much as they're not translating that into conversion of lead to the same level as you would normally expect, probably around half the conversion level you'd like to see. And that's probably a factor of reassurance and knowing those brands that um, are still quite young to the market. And I think um, Mark will no doubt talk more uh, eloquently than me about that and the reassurance he can give with the fantastic retailer support that's now been put in place for a brand like BYD. Um, If you add into the mix, so people like uh, MG, huge progress. And we may, in some older cohorts, some of us on this call recognize MG as a British brand, but obviously they're Chinese they're getting 10% of ad views and 15% of leads. They've been up to 20% of the share of leads recently. So that's massive, that's three times BYD and Aura combined. So clearly those brands are having some, some, some impact. And if you compare that to the other brands that people are looking at, firstly, there are a lot more out there. Consumers have got a lot more to contend with. There's a risk of more confusion too. There's been a surge in the number of brands available in the UK, we're around 57 now. That's risen from about 50 pre-pandemic and around 20% surge in, in, in numbers of models available. Because whether you're a legacy player adding your, in your IDs or your retrons or your EQs, you've probably in most cases still got your, your, your legacy product or your Golfs or your, your A-classes or, or your 3-series and so on. So it's incremental cars for people to think about. And when we test that, consumers are a little confused because most people will know that the Golf is produced by the, by the Volkswagen group, the Volkswagen brand, that's around three in, three and in four people will know that but less than one in 10 will know that the ID3 comes from Volkswagen and so on for the BZ4X or the EN1 and so on from their respective uh, Toyota Honda stables, et cetera. So the legacy brands need to play to their legacy to reassure, but they're kind of not playing to their legacy. They're actually confusing people a little bit more uh, than they probably ought to, especially given that they've not communicated that much in the last couple of years because they've sold through their order banks and not felt they needed to communicate. So they've launched new brands, new models, um, and uh, not really stayed top of mind in the consumer's uh, um, sort of thought process. So they're often sort of being seen in a similar way in an open-minded consumer's mindset as the brand new brand coming in from whether it be Asia, America, or whatever. So you they've left the playing field more open and more level than ever. And I think these new players coming to the market will take advantage.
0: So we set the scene. Uh, we can understand now why they're coming and interesting points there from, from Ian about um, consumer behaviour and indeed brand behaviour. Uh, but this is uh, also a Retail Live webinar talking about practical ways, um, practical experience. So um, we're going to turn to Mark now. Before I do, just a quick reminder, if you want to ask a question uh, or you want to make a comment, share an experience, then please do um, use the dialogue box uh, on this webinar. Send your question. It goes straight through to... Uh, Tristan Young, our editor, um, and he will collate them and, and bring them to the panel. Um, or you can use the hashtag Live on X. Uh, Mark Blundell Mark is uh, head of marketing in the UK for BYD. Mark, thanks for joining us. And we're looking to you for that practical experience. But perhaps tell us first of all, because not everybody's aware, what is BYD? <laughs> what are the products? Um, and, and then we'll go into how you've come to market.
3: Yeah, great. Th- thank you, Alan. Thanks for having me. Um, do you know what it's probably the the question i'll ask most is who are byd because uh you know in the uk we are we are new we launched in march and we're relatively unknown but globally byd are actually the global leaders in electric and plug-in hybrid sales we've just uh produced our well we're nearly up to five and a half million units now that have been produced uh, with, with a plug in them which which positions us as as global leaders but in the uk we're, we're, we're very new we, we launched in march Um, We were founded as a bit of a backstory. Our our chairman and founder set up as a battery engineer and started making the Nokia phone batteries 28 years ago. Obviously, huge success with that and uh, pivoted into forms of transport. So we make buses. So we supply a lot of the buses to the London transport uh, in partnership with with, uh, uh, Alessandra Dennis. We also make monorails, uh, batteries for homes, uh, charging devices, solar panels. We also actually make half of the world's ipads so we're this huge uh organization that that has tech at its heart and and also making uh, cars and we started in automotive around about 12 years ago Um, fast forward to where we are now we we're at a point where we have the breadth of range internationally that suits very well the european market so we've launched in the uk but simultaneously we've also launched in spain italy germany france um israel you know we, we're kind of all across europe and in, in about 70 countries now so we have this um strange paradox of being so globally big company but in these new markets we have this unknown uh quantity of us which is it's my job to change that clearly <laughs> so that's where my focus is
0: no, int- int- interesting. So, you, yes, exactly. As you say, you've you've got a, a brand that's not unknown, but a lot of muscle behind it as a company. So, what is your mm. What is your strategy um, when coming to a mature market in the UK? How do you go about as a brand like that uh, entering the market?
3: Mm. Um, yeah. So, our, yeah, the way we've set ourselves up is actually rather traditional route. So, we're a national sales company. So, we operate as per other OEM brands in the UK and we've also actively pursued relationships with dealers so we're we're not going down the agency route uh, we are uh, building relationships and partnerships with retailers um, the first instance of that was we termed this our pioneer store strategy so we we uh, partnered with the likes of Arnold Clarks uh Pendragon LSH you know some big dealer groups that can give us the footprint in key markets and give ourselves a visibility and expertise in those local markets. So we uh, obviously have showrooms, we're, we're up to about nine now, so we're onboarding all the time and we'll be around about 25 to 30 by the end of the year. Um, and you know, that's our approach is to, to build a network of retailers that are part of the BYD brand. We want to have a very close working relationship uh, and a collaborative partnership with our retailers and, you know, build the brand together. We're, we're in this amazing point, as other new entrants will experience as well, of being a startup and being able to build the brand as we want to in the UK. So you know, it's a journey that we've started fairly recently, but but a lot's changed already in seven, eight months since we've been here. So exciting so what's the
0: pitch i mean you know in this Mm. in this in this webinar i no doubt there'll be retailers um with a coffee on the desk thinking "Mm, interesting so what's the pitch Mm. for a not just byd but for a new brand for an established retailer that that is maybe looking at it It, it, you know because obviously you've got a bit of a headache you've got to break into a new market with a new brand and take on new stuff Mm. so so what's in it for the retailer if i can be so blunt
3: yeah great question i I think um ian made some really good points about the the brand uh agnostic nature now of the automotive yeah this whole switch to ev is such a game changer vehicles are becoming digital they're becoming technology led so people are far more open now to new brands and new technologies and i think as the new entrants come they bring with them lots of expertise and heritage in ev and technology rather than perhaps you know engines gearboxes, turbochargers. You know, I've been in automotive 30 years and you know, this is such a shift, unlike anything we've ever seen. And I think the the market is changing. EVs are here, they're growing all the time and they're a joy to drive, I think. You know, I, I genuinely believe that. And I think more and more people are now saying, okay, I will try different models, different brands, because actually there's more choice there's uh, different technologies different usps in each and you know what we're seeing is a huge um reaction of oh this is a lot better than i thought it would be (laughs) Mm -hmm. we've worked a lot of shows and and i think it gives um an opportunity for retailers to be part of something new and grow with that brand as well you know get in early to a brand that is on a growth trajectory and i think it's um it can pay dividends for everybody
0: you're watching the also retail live new entrant brands uh special webinar today uh comments and questions more than welcome uh, in the dialogue box or hashtag and live uh, mark we'll be back to you in just a moment but ck i want to come back to you 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 have the view you know you've worked in the chinese market for years you've seen that in europe Um, We are exploring the agency model, some going in, some not. Um, One might have expected that the Chinese brands would be jumping in with agency. Is that not the case? Because we just heard Mark saying he's gone franchise.
1: Yeah, I think it's a complex question. So if we have to think about the starting point of these Chinese brands in China, right? Um, We have uh, interesting couple of years where the new entrant, you know, even by Chinese standard, we have a couple of new brands that were started four or five years ago and they uh, look at Tesla direct model and say, well, okay, I try that. Um, but after a while, there are many Chinese cities, right? There are something like uh, 150 Chinese cities or so with at least a million population thereabout. When they go expand beyond the, the limited First tier, second tier city where, you know, are total about maybe 20 ish first, second tier city. When you hit the third tier city, you're getting the numbers get large. We're talking about 50, 60 city. So going direct becomes not feasible because you can imagine there's a lot of capital outlay if you're going to build your own stores. So agency model becomes kind of a good halfway point between that and the traditional franchise model. So, you know by appointing a couple of agents to, to help you do that uh, you know you don't have to deal with the high capital outlay plus you have some of the benefits of working with partners with existing say you know uh, properties that you can leverage on. So the evolution of agency model for China uh, follows that path right Going into Europe uh, uh, however, you know you have a very established mature market, largely run by um, the franchise model, right? So I think the Chinese brands will have to adapt to uh, the European market to find the right model. And I don't think there is a one size fit all So you can't say if you're ex-brand, you should go for this model. I think it will depend on individual brands' uh, strength and who you're targeting. If you're a mass market brand, perhaps agency might work well for you, if you are a premium brand where the number of outlets you need may not be as much, where the focus on customer service might be higher, you can even go direct actually, right? Uh, so I I would say that um, there's no fixed answer, uh, and you you will see brands in China operating with one commercial model, when they go to Europe they are picking another model. You have seen brands uh, I, I wouldn't. Uh, Give specific names. We have brands that went into Europe with the model that they have used in China. They realize it doesn't work. Within six months 12 months, they pivot to another model as well. So I think this is highly evolving. Uh, The Chinese brands are very nimble. Uh, They are in Europe also to learn as well. So as dealers who are members of this audience, uh, one of the messages I would like to suggest is um, do use this Opportunity to educate your brand principles from China. Uh, you know they are they are here to learn and they're going to be very receptive to to hearing your insights, your your accumulated knowledge and and expertise in the market.
0: CK, what's the relationship uh, when working with a Chinese brand? Is it is it is it? The traditional model, where there has been this hierarchy of OEM distributor, national sales company, retailer, and you know big dog bites small dog, and so on and so on, is it the same in, with Chinese brands, or is there a different mentality?
1: Well, uh, you have to understand that the Chinese domestic market actually has been long dominated by the foreign players, right? You have the Europeans, you have the Japanese, you have the Americans, so. Uh, they have brought in actually many of the practices. So domestically the Chinese the the, the market is actually not that far from what you see in Europe. Uh, I would say that the uh, what you describe, you know, where it's more top down, where it's more, more driven from from you know it's more heavy handed, is probably still present, but I would say that's in a minority of the brand and maybe present more in the state owned brands, for example. Majority of the successful Uh, commercially oriented brands in China operate more like what you see among the European brands as well. So, I I wouldn't say there's a huge amount of difference just because there's this cross-fertilization, right? So, obviously, now the Chinese brands are now emerging strongly, even domestically in China. I think this year, for the first time, or maybe sometime last year, domestic brands are outselling the foreign brands in China itself, right? So, they're getting more confident but what they have done is also they have learned and adopted some of the best practices, things that work, things that the foreign brands have brought into China, and they're taking some of these lessons and bringing it when they go to Europe as well. So uh, I think I think I, I don't think it is uh, the 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 con- con- the misconception that Chinese brands operate very differently. I think is is probably not that correct.
0: Okay, so we we understand a little bit more about the market. We can see the motivations. We can see some of the background. Ian, you touched on consumer behavior, and, and that is, you know, you're an expert in that field. How difficult is it for a retailer to pick up? and break a new brand it, it, it's always perhaps easier to work with what you know and, and you highlighted the challenge there of say volkswagen um with its traditional golf offering that people recognize but they're not recognizing the the, the other electrified brand as being part of volkswagen so is this a big challenge for a retailer considering and um, taking on a new
2: brand well uh, the short answer is yes any change is a challenge isn't it um it demands an open mind uh, and, a, and a tenacious uh, approach to actually driving change, that change through your business. Um, so if you start out with an open mind, that's just that's a, a great place to begin with. And I just go back to uh, an example of uh, prior times with the case of Tesla comes to mind. I remember working in established retailer groups or brands myself um, and hearing a lot of people say, nah, it'll never work the product quality is lousy and people would talk about, well, I got a packet of cards and I got one out and I put it between the, the sleeve of the, the the wing and the door and I could put the, you know, like five cards in there. Okay, maybe you could. I don't think you really can these days and I think if you're criticizing Tesla's quality, you're on the, the wrong sort of uh, side of history, to be frank with you. GM were notably famous for having a board meeting quote that said something along the lines of, oh, those guys at Tesla, don't worry about them. They're a bunch of people messing around with laptops and, and tech and you know, no, there's no fear to, to be had. So I think you need to embrace the fact that there are some great cars coming in from people you don't necessarily know, whether they be in Vietnam, Turkey, America, China, obviously a lot, Korea, et cetera, Japan. Um, You need to embrace the, the change and go and actually have a look at those cars if you possibly can. If they're over here, obviously great, go and drive them. If you need to go somewhere else to go and get behind the wheel of one of these things, go and do that. You will probably be surprised and you will probably have the moment a bit like you do when you drive a Tesla these days of thinking, well... This is an amazing car. Um, Its performance is fantastic. Its technological credentials, its battery power, et cetera, is fantastic. The onboard tech is amazing. The Chinese are way ahead of the game in that regard. I'm sure Mark can wax lyrical about maybe singing karaoke in his BYD or or many of the other onboard (laughs) sort of entertainment solutions that they have in some of these cars now. They've leapfrogged in technology, they've leapfrogged in 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 in-car sort of uh, livability of the vehicle. So I think the retailer out there that's thinking, well, should I get behind this, should take that Tesla example, go and try one out um, and work on the basis that the chances are they'll be surprised by the quality and then should take it further and thinking, well, how do I actually embed one of these uh, businesses potentially within my dealership? Um, I'd I'd encourage them to do as many as they can of those sort of test drives.
0: Interesting. Mark want to come back to you obviously you are um our case study today uh, living and breathing bringing a new brand to the, the uk what what's involved in that for a retailer that you know most retailers have well they've all onboarded a brand at some point but they may have onboarded a um a european or an american or a, a japanese or a korean brand but what's the difference um with onboarding a chinese brand like byd is it skills um, is it culture what's different
3: um i think to be the the cultural point is is less important because we're in the UK and it's the UK nsc that's that's dealing with the brand i think what we're seeing is yeah we're an ev brand so as an ev brand you attract an audience that ask different types of questions they there's some people that really know their tech and really understand the terminology the the uh, KPI, you know, the the performance stats to look out for. And I think, you know, first and foremost, make sure that your team and your mindset is, I'm embracing onboarding an EV brand, if it's BYD, for instance. Secondly, you need to know the history and the storytelling. So people will come in and go, who are BYD, as you you asked me, Al, earlier. So let's make sure that as a retailer, we understand the backstory, we understand the heritage, the expertise, the know-how, and the technology. And then thirdly, I think and and this is advice for anybody taking on any new brand, you need to be entrepreneurship ship as well. You you need to think how can I market in my local area as well to to build on the foundations that the NSC will make. You know, we will and we're undertaking marketing, paid media and PR, et cetera, but we also need activity from retailers to announce that there's a new brand now under there. Uh, stewardship who is that brand get out in the local community as Ian said drive the cars but that applies to customers as well they may not be in the buying cycle immediately but in the next couple of years they will be so let's try and get as many people sitting in the cars driving the cars touching the quality of the cars as possible so that we have this blend of expertise activity and and a know-how about EVs in general so you give the customers the confidence that it's they're walking into a premises that is well-equipped to to answer all the questions and, and is really passionate about this new brand that, that's been onboarded. So I think that's the, you know, the key ingredients to me that I would make sure that we want uh, retailers to to have in place.
0: Right, so I'm going to look at the other way now and say, actually, as a retailer, if I'm looking at, at a potential new entrants, what I'm hearing is you need a good backstory, kind of, because obviously if somebody is going to, you know, even though Ian has said, you know, in the UK we're quite agnostic about the heritage of, of of where the car comes from, but there still needs to be perhaps some reassurance. And is that is that something you're finding both with the retail partners you're talking to and the end customers? Because you're also dealing direct with end customers at the moment as well, aren't you?
3: Yeah, to a degree. I mean, we're constantly being asked at the moment who would BYD, so you have that story in place because it's the first question is people are curious they see a new logo they see a new car and oh haven't seen this before who who are you and sometimes it's it's quite a soft question other times it's it's quite a deep meaningful who are you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so it's it's a case of you know making sure that you have um, you know the the answers to hand uh, and i think it's equally i think as as a retailer that is also really important you know do your research as i did you know my personal story a year ago i was not with BYD BYD was a brand that i there was an opportunity for and i did my research i went to the Paris motor show i saw the stand i saw the technology i was like wow this is these guys are really serious this is a proper organization that has serious ambitions and intent for the european market uh, so there's opportunities to to go and see and you know go to events where there's lots of oems there and, and just have a look around all of them and, and speak to the people on the stands to try and get that understanding of of what's the positioning is of each brand but also what's the ambition and the and the longer story for them
0: thanks mark this is the auto retail live webinar in association with auto trade looking new entrants in 2023 um we'll be going to questions in just a moment so do if you want to get a question in now's the time because Time will run away, um, CK. I want to come to you with with a quick question before we we dive into um, uh, comments we've had so far, and it it sort of plays back from what Mike was talk uh, Mike was talking about there in terms of what a retailer might look for and what the brand might look for. What is it that Chinese? brands are looking for from a retail network, um, a retail partner, Are there specific things that in your experience of automotive that that are unique to Chinese and they're looking for?
1: I would say there will be three main things that the Chinese brand will be looking for, right? One clearly is uh, the knowledge of the market, including Kind of a reputation with the market just like mark has said byd strategy seems to be going with well-established local dealers because for a new entrant brand uh, having to overcome who are you versus who are you but you know your answer will be I- i'm i'm so and so but don't worry about my my reputation and, and so on because i'm not working with a established dealership group that has to be something that is of value so that's number one uh, number two Uh, The Chinese brand will have to build out a retail network really quickly. So they'll be looking for uh, partners who have access to very good locations uh, for the network. And they will be not limited, not just to traditional dealership format. Uh, In China, we're seeing EV brands being sold in shopping mall outlets, downtown stores, right? The new retail format. So, you know, increasingly, if you have access to such uh, high footfall, attractive downtown shopping mall type of format that could be very valuable as well, right? And the third thing I think is uh I think really important that what they're looking for is not just uh, another market, another channel to to sell their vehicles and make money. They are coming to you to learn because how the Chinese. Uh, market operate is very different and I've got clients who come to me and say look I am the expert in China but once you get me into Europe I'm a fish out of water I really need to learn and what best way to learn than with your local partner so be prepared to to have this conversation the learning goes both ways right there will be a cultural product kind of learning from from your end but the, your brand principle will be learning about the market. What, what is the consumer preference? How cars are being bought, right? You know, leasing is non-existent in China, but leasing is a big part of, of how cars are being sold in the US. So the brand principle would like to know how do you structure a leasing arrangement, for example. So I think these three will be really important to, to the Chinese brand principle when it come to Europe.
0: Great practical insight. Thank, thanks, CK. Mark, I'm going to come to you and then to Ian for this question. The first question we've had is, um, what are the panel's predictions for the new entrant UK share uh, in in three and five years' time? So, obviously, Mark, you're thinking from a BYD point of view, and it's almost an impossible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What, what are you looking at in terms of market share as, as the years roll by? Uh,
3: specific to BYD? Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, I mean, from our perspective, we're still in that growth phase. So the share will grow as we grow the network. So rather than talk share of market, I'll probably talk share of retailers or number of retailers. So we we plan to aim to be about 25 to 30 this year. Next year, we'd like to be upper 50s. And then by 2025, we we, we feel we need a, a footprint in the region of about 90 retailers. So from that, you can probably imagine The type of share that that should deliver in the uk but we're not at the moment you know fixated on a particular share we're we're very much in the build the foundations and and get everything in place mode at the moment but uh i guess for more detailed conversations that would be picked up on a sort of case-by-case basis in in the market for each retailer
0: yeah so i'm giving you the politicians
3: answer there (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, no, no. But you, you've no, no. You've given us. You've given me a, a kind of a a pathway of of where you're looking mm-hmm. at in terms of. And I think you know, by a number of retailers, is is a clear answer. Ian, it, more for more for you then in terms of what do you see then a uh, the, the new entrant market share in say three or five years time. And given where MG has got to, I know MG is an established
2: brand, but it's it's huge at the moment. But what what are your views on on that, Ian? Um, it's a great question We, when we get asked uh, frequently because it's um, what lies behind I think most people's interest in this whole subject. Um, it, it is uh, likely to reshape our, our industry quite substantially. So I think to, to answer it, you need to look outside of the UK, first of all. I um, see mentioned what's happened in, in China, which is obviously a key market. And China is currently producing about two thirds of all EVs in the world and selling in its own country, about half of them. So they've leapfrogged everybody, as I mentioned already, in terms of Tech and uh, scale, and they've got the cost, the benefit of all of that. So if you look at what's happened there. Market, you mentioned that uh, just this year, I think it is that uh, well, actually last year, I think the brands, the the Chinese domestic brands overtook the uh, the the established sort of Western brands that had come in over there. Usually, worked in joint ventures and so on. Uh, if you look at what's happening in EVs, though, the the domestic Chinese brands account for around eighty percent of what's being sold in China. So they've completely dominated that market and uh, are likely to sort of squeeze out some of the uh, the uh, imported brands or, or the established brands that are producing over there as well. Then look at Norway. Uh, Norway, obviously, further ahead than anybody in terms of uh, EV adoption with the 2025 uh, ICE cutoff. Uh, they're at around 28 and a half percent new entrant brands. I include in that Tesla, which is the largest chunk of what's in that, that num- number in Norway, but they've got a whole host of, uh, of new entrant Asian brands in particular that are, are adding up small percentages that fit into that number, and I think they'll grow over time as they learn to to do uh, do their business in Europe on the back of that Norwegian example. So, if you take those and then look at the UK, uh, if you consider today, as I would do, MG is probably being in that new entrant uh, sort of cohort. As much as we know MG as a brand expanding across Europe in in a way that's maybe a bit different to the UK because they're not known so quite so well over, in, let's say, France, Germany. You're not far off eight percent share already today uh of all the mentioned you had in the likes of pulsar and byd and you know several others on top of tesla so it's already quite chunky so i would expect to ask your question about three five ten years probably in three years time about eight percent to maybe get to the into double figures and maybe early teens um five years time probably mid to uh higher teens and in 10 years time probably into the 20 percent bracket one in five um because of what we can see has happened in other markets and the learnings we're that those brands, as, as uh, I think Mark and TK have touched on, they've learned from what they've seen in uh, in their own domestic market, and the joint ventures they've done, and the EV prowess they've now got. They're learning and very open to listen to feedback in, in Europe, and they'll make all that work. So, exciting to to see, to be honest, because it is reshaping things as I said at the beginning.
0: So, Ian, in 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 many ways, retailers uh, in watching us today in, on on this webinar, joining the webinar, it's not a case of if you will engage with new entrant chinese brands it's when so it's not a case <laughs> of one I'm, I'm watching this thinking about you know i might like to do this actually if you're not going to get access to 20 percent of the market you're you, you've got a question mark
2: over your future well, you, you're quite right i think there are two scenarios you could look at quite simplistically if these brands uh, coming from china america etc not just china we talk a lot about china and they do dominate the, the landscape so it's fair enough but if all these brands come to the european market um, they could either firstly contribute to the growth of that market. you know we, we, will we get to above a two million new car market? Some brands talk about value over volume. I think they've still got production capacity to, to put out there. Will they, so will they be incremental? Will they help the market to grow? or will they take share from other people in a market that stays, let's say two million or just sub two million? In which case, you know if you've got uh, you're a, if you're a retailer working with one of those other brands, Uh, and you're going to to be looking at a scenario where you lose share um, for the brands you represent, um, you've got a risk. But in either scenario, if you ask me, if you do embrace the opportunity to engage with new brands coming to the market, you can turn that risk into an opportunity. So to answer your point, I think I would urge people to look at both those scenarios, either the market grows or it stays the same and established players lose share as a need for action.
0: Ian, thank you. um question um good morning Daniel Johnson from uh, Volkswagen Group uh, and Harry Bott. morning Harry um given the residual value pressure on battery electric vehicles um and the uh, minimal kind of history uh, of them what are the what are the ways and CK I'm going to come to you for this question what are the new market entrants going to do to drive that um customer and product loyalty um and and support residual
1: values um, well you have uh the also the emergence of battery swapping uh, and actually that could catalyze uh, new models right for example uh, one of the brands uh, in china uh, because and, and the cars are all designed with battery swapping capability there's an the option of buying a car with the battery or you could buy the car and lease the battery and save somewhere between 20-30%, right? So if you ask me, um, that that has a lot of implication. One one is we know that EVs are currently priced at the premium, but if you have this model of taking away the battery, then the EVs becomes a lot more affordable. That could drive greater adoption as well. Right. So the residual value becomes a non-existent question because you no longer the car is no longer tied to the battery. And of course, you know, the residual value of the, the car itself will approximate more of a traditional ICV, if you think about that. Right? Um, so that's that's one model to, to look at. The the dropping residual value question is a is a problem that even the Chinese domestic market has been grappling with uh, for as long as EV has been here, right? So it is, it is something that that's um, uh, also felt in China. I don't have an answer to that. Uh, my, my, my suggestion from a retailer and OEM perspective would be to come up with maybe new ways of, of you know decoupling the battery from the vehicle. If, if battery swapping is something that your vehicle architecture is designed for,
0: Interesting. And, and Renault, Renault were doing that early on in the, um, if I remember correctly, with a, with a, with a lease option, um, on the battery. Uh, Mark, um, can I come to you? It, it's a similar question from Richard, um, Shortridge at Genesis and, and probably right to the point is how do you, um, how do you ensure residual value stability for, for BYD? Uh, I, I
3: think, you know, we're perhaps in the fortunate position where our range is EV. Uh, and it depends where your start point is with the price of the ev in context to your ice vehicles and obviously the the relationship with the battery uh and what premium you're charging For, from our perspective we have uh positioned ourselves to be accessible and an alternative to an ice with our range uh the feedback we've had actually on our products for Dolphin and Seal has been very, very positive from an RV perspective. Um, and I think we just need to, obviously, you, it's about demand and supply, isn't it? You, you've got to try and maintain that balance, um, build the desirability for the brand and make sure that the value of, and, and CK's points is, is very interesting about the battery decoupling, but equally, if we go right to the very end of the life cycle of an EV vehicle, the scrap value is, is higher than a than a non EV vehicle because you can repurpose the battery and there's a value to that battery. So I think there's a bit of an education piece all the way through the uh, valuation uh, committees, etc. But uh, I think it's just trying to be pragmatic with how we manage as an industry the the offers and and try and avoid this you know yo-yo effect on uh, on RVs. Just try and keep it stable so you you don't go too bullish <laughs> when it's good and you don't go. <laughs> too crazy when it's low so it's um
0: mark uh, another question uh from claire hello claire jarvis at pendragon morning claire um does the panel worry that the uk's less than perfect charging infrastructure is going to slow ev uptake this must be must lie at the heart of your your business mark given that you're pure EV.
3: yeah i think inevitably we'd all want it to be better than it is uh i've got to say i think it's improving massively and it gets a lot of bad press i've done probably Nine, ten thousand miles all over the UK in my ATO3 since I've had it. And I can count on probably two, two instances where I've thought, Ugh, this is the pain, where I couldn't perhaps connect or there was a queue. Um, I think the infrastructure is getting an awful lot better uh, than it was. Accessibility is fine. And, you know, at the same time, the technology of EVs is improving all the time as well. So the range is better. You know, most cars now have upper 200s, even 300s as a range. So... It's more than most to do the bulk of the journeys that you need, um, but it's all improving at the same time. I mean, if we look at a phone from five years ago to a phone now, you know, it's the same journey for, for EV. So in five years' time, we'll be further ahead than what we are now, as well as the infrastructure. So we'll, we'll reach that point where I think it will cease to be such an issue.
0: Okay, uh, a couple more questions coming through. Uh, Niraj Pathak from VW Financial Services. Morning, Niraj. Uh, Ian, I'm going to throw this to you. How many brands, uh, Niraj, asks, can the UK profitably sustain? I think you mentioned. Did you say fifty-seven? The Heinz number we've got at the moment. And and what qualities within those brands will see a brand succeed?
2: Um, Niraj, uh, it's a great question. I I wouldn't be able to put a number on it. I think it depends on the the. Uh, the scale needed for a particular brand to operate at a profit. And that scale number will will vary obviously by by particular operator. I do think there are some brands that are going to be uh, fading from view and then probably disappearing completely if they aren't able to adapt to electric vehicles um, and produce them at an affordable price. So, uh, we, you know, Mark just mentioned the the, the issue partly on RVs is that we start the price of EVs too high. Uh, roughly 33% higher than ice equivalents uh, still today, and that's largely because they're too expensive to produce. We need to produce them more cheaply. That is getting easier. We're now below 100 kilowatt, um, 100 dollars per kilowatt hour. Lithium is becoming cheaper for the battery, and the battery is the biggest chunk of cost in these things. So I do think they're going to come down. That helps the RV point a minute, a minute ago, but uh, ultimately, the the cheaper, let's say I want the right word to use, the more affordable volume brands are the ones that are most at risk here because there are very few sort of 20,000 pound to 30,000 pounds sort of um, uh, EVs in the in the market. We count around nine under 30,000. There are 10 times that in the ICE range. So if you're used to getting your volume in those uh, brackets of, uh, of uh, pricing and can't produce an EV affordably, and others can coming in from markets where they have scale, the ones we've talked about already, then you are probably at risk. Um, so I think there will, there will be some new brands we've touched on coming in from new, from overseas, and a few of the established players we're used to seeing today um, may be fading from view.
0: And what about the qualities that will see that a brand succeed?
2: Qualities, I think, um, tech is is really important, but tech is 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 not something to overstate for two reasons. Firstly. When you talk tech in our research, you, you basically don't engage with female car buyers as much as you should do. So don't talk about tech in as much as what um, what great sort of uh, onboard uh, uh, functionality you've got and uh, connected connected to sort of the car kind of uh, tech- technology. That will work for many buyers, but it doesn't work for a female buyer. A female buyer typically will look for things around convenience, around safety, things like I know I can charge it quickly. That is also tech. So some of the best uh, EVs out there that are turning quickest these days are the ones that charge quickest as well as go a decent range. Uh, the range is maybe less important, especially if you've got your own home charging. So uh, the qualities that will make a difference are those that either appeal to the um, you know, the the more techie sort of side of some people's uh, desire to have a car that does more for them in what you can do in the car uh, rather than just its speed. Because typically in the UK, we generally can't drive too fast these days but you sit in the thing for a long time and you want to enjoy it. Or as I said, the other example is what the car can do for you in terms of convenience ease uh, fitting into your lifestyle and so on. So, in those cases, if a brand can tick the box, uh, whether they're an established player or a new entrant, they've got much more of a chance of working for consumers.
0: Mark, a question for you from Billy Fitch. Hi, Billy from TC Harrison. Uh, Billy asks, are buyers more inclined to lease or contract hire than buy outright um, due to the lower brand confidence are you seeing that mark
3: um i I mean to be honest with you it's it's a a facet of the uk market at the moment that the bulk of transactions are some form of lease whether that's pcp pch or salary sacrifice um you know we're seeing a mix which isn't too dissimilar to mixes i've seen in other oems i've worked for (laughs) We're, we're, we're obviously at our early stage of of development, but we're not too surprised or shocked by the the mix of sales that we're seeing uh, across the various channels. So I I think possibly the the structure of the way cars are purchased in the UK through, you know, leasing uh, options does make it perhaps more viable or attractive for people to test new brands because they know after a couple of years, I I can change again. So we perhaps that's uh, aiding, you know, the the introduction of, of lots of new choices for people
0: time has flown uh, this has been the auto retail live uh, new entrance webinar I'd like to say thank you to our <coughs> excuse me to our panelists <coughs> excuse me and before we go um, I would just invite each um, and we'll start with CK um, from urban science in China what would your takeaway tip be from today's webinar as a practical thing for a retailer to think about when looking at new entrants okay so you know
1: we, we have a Kind of an earthquake that happened in august this year in the form of the shanghai auto show uh, you have read headlines about you know the shock and surprise of uh, the products that uh you know the the foreign executive didn't have a chance to see because of COVID, right and this wave has created a tsunami that is spreading all over the world with all the major auto auto multi-market uh, particularly in europe latin america south uh, uh southeast asia and so on right because they are offering great smart and connected vehicle with wonderful and, and beautiful styling at an affordable price. Right. So my my, my own my, my biggest kind of suggestion to the audience is don't miss the second earthquake in the form of the next auto show that's happening in Beijing next year, They're about in the spring, in April, because it offers you and I've been having telling a lot of friends to come to the Shanghai Auto Show this year. Some of them couldn't get in because of visa issues and so on. Don't miss the Beijing one. Particularly if you are still uncertain and sitting on the fence, go check out the cars, uh, like what Yen um, mentioned earlier on. Best way to do so is a Beijing Auto Show, because all the cars will be there. Give a chance to engage all the executives uh, uh, present in the auto show and test drive them and, and then make a judgment yourself. Go touch the
0: metal. Great advice, CK. Ian, what would your takeaway tip be?
2: Um, Really quickly, I'd say there's already been a second uh, tsunami or earthquake. Um, to take your point, CK, the Munich Motor Show uh, earlier this autumn, just recently, um, saw more uh, new brands taking more space than the established German brands on their home turf, right on their home patch of Munich. So that also uh, sent quite a few shockwaves and should be a signal of intent, I think, to be to take into account. Really quickly as well, I know there's been a few questions about whether EVs are really going to happen and the 2035 ban being pushed back. That's smoke and mirrors, folks, honestly. The ZEV mandate is the one that counts. There is huge pressure, huge fines, 15,000 pounds, for every car, missed. The will mean brands will need to push, whether you've got established brands you're working with, all these new entrants, they will have to make the market. So don't assume that this isn't going to happen because of some political positioning, which is honestly, frankly, more rhetorical than substantial. So I would just urge you as my action um, to get in touch with them. Uh, As CK mentioned, uh, go to China if you need to, but get in touch, bet on them. Most of the time, and I'm sure Mark will back this up with the BYD example, they aren't asking for hugely onerous standards and costs. So in most equations, you'll be able to look at your existing cost base, add very little to it, minimal risk, and probably add a decent chance of additional revenue on almost the same cost base. From a retailer perspective and being one, I would jump at that chance and I would bet on as many horses as you can that give you more eggs in your basket to add revenue on a similar cost base. That's the recipe for success in my eyes.
0: Thanks, Ian. Mark, your takeaway from BYD for potential partners watching? Yeah,
3: I mean, just to echo the points already made, I think be open minded. Um, We have to think now we're in a global automotive market, not a European automotive market and, and and take the opportunities to go and see the products because you know you will be surprised and they exceed expectations on every level so I would certainly take the advice already given to heart and and, and be active in the marketplace.
0: If you want to do your own research uh, analysis of the market, don't forget the latest new entrance uh, report 2023 uh, is now available to order on the Auto Retail Live uh, website. Uh, nearly 60 pages of information available to guide on the new brands with contact information and product details. This has been the Auto Retail Live webinar in partnership with Auto Trader. Thanks for joining us. And if a colleague of yours has missed it, you can always join us on catch-up. See you next time.